You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and the A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser microphones at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. Have you noticed that all good things come in threes? XLR, AES, meat, cheese, and tortillas, Michael Lawrence, Chris Leonard, and Kyle Chernside, and now the Allen and Heath AHM Matrix family, AHM 64, AHM 32, and AHM 16. 96 kilohertz FPGA powered sonic powerhouses for projects of all sizes. Who says matrices have to be boring? Not us. We've never said that. Kyle said it once, but we proved him wrong. Check them out today. I guess. <laughs> Hi, this is uh, the Signal to Noise podcast. Maybe you've heard us before or not. Um, if you haven't, you're kind of missing out because today I'm joined by Sam Boone and my damn self, and that is it. It's it. So if you were thinking that it was going to be Michael Lawrence and the voluptuous-voiced Chris Leonard, you're fucking wrong. You're wrong. They're gone. They're both doing other things right now that are way more important. Uh, Chris is on vacation. Well-deserved. Of course. And um, Michael is out doing shows like the rock star he is. Yeah, that's uh, he's having a good time. Um, I am joining you from this crazy place in Pennsylvania. It's called Lidditz. And if you take a couple letters away, it's tit in the middle. And I think that's funny because I'm immature. It's also lit. It's lit and tit. It's lit and tit. Both of those things are lit. Um, they've built quite a complex here. That's all I got to say. I'm doing some uh, training for cohesion. Um, I got to say hello to a bunch of old friends and made some new ones. And you know what's fun? I am old and I'm really learning something right now. Like I learned a bunch of shortcuts through things that I've been using for years on end, uh, specifically Lake and um, Smart, that I really never would have got unless I went to this training. And um, it's it's kind of enlightening. It kept, it kept me engaged all day. Like I kept looking at my uh, clock on my phone just because it's a habit, force a habit. And time went by really fast. Like, uh, I don't know where it all went. Like, it it, it was enjoyable. I learned um, some matrix networking and clock source stuff from Lake that I used to mess up on all the time. Um, Michael, before I left, gave me a bunch of two and three minutes videos from the YouTube rational site that are phenomenal. Um, just great tools and. You know, I'll say it. I said it once. I'll say it again. If you ever quit learning, like maybe, maybe this isn't the thing for you. And uh, I, I really had an enjoyable time. This is a great facility here. Holy cow! Like Rockland, it's is um, fun. I live like fifteen minutes from it. Uh, it's a solid twenty-two, actually. Hold on. At at if you leave my house, it's seven fifty-ish. Did it'll take about twenty minutes. 
It's, it's pretty too. It's so pretty out here. Holy cow. Yeah, it's great. On the drive from Harrisburg into Lidditz from the airport, um, it was it was amazing just to look out the window. I mean, the countryside here is crazy. And then right in the middle of these beautiful farms from the 1800s, probably even sooner than that, is this huge facility modern i mean i think the last time i was here was 2014 or so so only one of the studios was built only one of the pods was up and running with very little businesses in it and uh hotel wasn't here um it's not lit it's though if you don't drive up and see the giant black box and go what is that now there's two giant black boxes right in a row it's a And I tell you what, a lot of the locals are using this kind of as the hangout spot. And there's a theater that they built. They have their own theater on campus to rent out to the locals and to use for secret shows. And what a cool little area. A lot of the events are held there and they do catering at Gravy because that's on site too. And yep. uh, I think it's T TBC, TCB, something like that. There's a whole catering. There's uh, t Check out Tone Tailors. Okay. There's a bike shop and a rock climbing fitness place. Like it's not just rock and roll. It's everything that you would want if you were stuck at a hotel in the middle of nowhere for a long time. Yeah. Um, glad to be here. Glad that uh, I turned it around. I'm I'm going to become a, a a system engineer, which I've dabbled in. Um, I still consider myself more of a front of house and monitor person, but um, speaking with you specifically and michael uh this whole se thing is going to be right up my alley being able to cater to a client that has specific needs so i'll leave it at that for now but yeah cohesion training next three days um what have you been up to you just hanging uh i am currently in charge of niles so michael's dog uh, coming to you live from Michael's smart layer, as it is affectionately labeled on the door uh, in the very specific font, which I can never remember the name of. Uh, so that's Papyrus. Papyrus. <laughs> so I think it starts with a B. Um, but yeah, so that's that's been chill. And uh, no, just doing a lot of like odds and ends, man. Like finally just kind of like getting everything together, like going through just list i've not been in one place longer than i think like a week and a half at this point in between like where i live new york carolina i was just in carolina i'll go back like it's it's been it's been a wild ride for that we were just uh, michael and i were just in atlanta doing a tuning so i was just down there that was fun um yeah just been running around like a crazy person so the usual i i do want to put this out there i think we might stay on topic with it after I put it out there, but production houses are hiring right now. And I said to you earlier, I think you could basically throw a resume within 20 yards of a, a production fill, uh, facility and, and get something. So if there are people out there looking, uh, jump on our discord, tag us, tag somebody um, everybody's looking for things this year. It seems like, um, they're trying to make up for COVID. Um, so even, even one of the facilities I was looking to work at in St. Louis, 
instead of you know the typical 30 show summer amphitheater they're up to 50 plus shows this year so um that just puts touring in a weird situation and obviously a lot of these uh facilities that are putting gear out on these tours are even still waiting for manufacturing to catch up because of requests and, and things that people need. So if you own a production facility and you have a bunch of gear sitting around, which I, I doubt you do. Um, if you own anything with a Dante card in it. Yeah. Whatever you have, you might be able to facilitate yourself to a larger production company that's uh, looking for things. Um, so make sure you join our discard uh, and, and get on the job site. I get on there. There's a jobs. There's a jobs channel in the Discord. Check the Facebook group. You know, check check the internet. It's a great place, dude. I want to talk about this. Have you ever worked for a production house, or have you always been freelance and working for bands? Um, in in different modes. So basically, uh, most of my career working for production houses was I was home, and I was using them for freelance activities. Uh, gear fulfillment. Um, I'd work for them uh, to go out in A1 or A2 or do monitors for them as a freelance. I've never been hired on. And then obviously with Gateway, uh, that was the first one that I was going to sit with and be the audio ops manager. And that didn't quite work out how I thought it was going to. So that's life. It happens. Yeah. We're it, all familiar with that. It It's a, uh, Production world is a different thing, and I, I think I know why you would you beg the question. Well, I, um, I want to talk about the difference, right? Because like yeah. there's a whole lot of, I really Stop wish because well that, but honestly, up until this year, I was like terrified of the idea of freelancing. I was like, I'm never gonna do it. It, it sounds horrible. I had heard crazy horror stories from like a handful of friends. Uh, and then I met you guys and like Michael's freelance, you're freelance. And so I've like, I, I have so many questions. Well, I have questions about production as well, coming from a shop. Well, we'll swap it. Cause I've, uh, I've worked for a lot of shops and not a lot of myself and you're, you're the opposite. Let's, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Well, freelance was weird because, um, I felt like I couldn't perpetuate a job and it was one of those things where, uh, it was hard to explain to my parents what I did because the hustle was real. So I was always looking for someone to hire me to do their thing. Um, it, it was, it, the struggle was there. And I think it led me to the path of actually working for the artist and not with the production company. And that's where I got the production company experience was using them to rent items and parts and pieces that I needed to make my show happen on the road. Um, so I'd go in and I'd meet folks like yourself that were working at the company. And uh, I always found it interesting. One, because you're around a, a ton of great gear all the time. Uh, do you get to use it? Do you get to play with it? De depends on where you are and who you are. This is the real question. Um, I mean, I worked for some shops where, like, I I worked for SES briefly, and they prepped an all-analog tour, and I had never touched an analog desk. And I 
asked very nicely to our head of audio, hey, can you can we just leave this tip while we're prepping? And I mean, it's a Heritage 3000. You're not just going to like pick that thing up and put that thing down. So they were like, sure, we're going to leave it tipped anyways. And uh, I got to I got to mess with it. I got to go through it past signal, run line check on it, uh, swap out the channels. So I have worked for some places that were really great in letting me develop a skill set because I've never worked for a production house as a shop only tech. So I think they always knew that they were training me to go out. And so it, it benefits me, it benefits them, uh, which was really nice. Um, there was a while where we had some digital console. I think it was like an SD 12. Uh, and I was like 18 and I, I had not really messed with them. And so we had a couple texts come in um, and a couple of techs I worked with were really nice and we would just leave the console set up for weeks. We had the room because it was kind of, this is what we do in the dead of winter, not when it's like all hell breaking loose in like July. Um, and they left the console up for a week or two and every day at lunch, I would time myself and see how fast I could scratch build a file. That's perfect. Yeah, it was fabulous. I got down to like being able to do it in like 12 minutes or something stupid. What would, what would you say the skill set is that a hiring a person hiring at a production house looks for in qualities to get you into their facility? Teachable. You it I walked into SES not knowing I was a songwriting major. Um, I had touched a console. I, I did grow up mixing in a church, which was really helpful. So I had the level of knowledge in terms of repair and technical skill that was essentially zero. Uh, I did know how to solder and I knew what an EQ was and I knew like a half of a 101 understanding, I feel like. So did, did you... From pre- from previous episode, did you develop the passion for taking things apart and putting them back together? Or was that something when you were asked to do it or you watched someone do it where you were like, I'm going to jump in and do that thing? I think I've always messed with it, but I feel like it's pretty rare that you get the opportunity to do it for a living and do it all the time. So I always knew that I liked tinkering with things and building things and, you know, everything from Legos to cars. Uh, my, I was raised by an engineer. My dad's an engineer. It was a mechanical. So like I worked on cars with him growing up and I love, uh, I really love old cars. I think, I think that's kind of imperative to learn a basic level signal flow, AC distribution, uh, a lot of right and wrong. And going back to your first statement, teachable. I think that that is almost like a priority um, with any production house coming in uh, is leave your preconceived notions about what you can do well at home so you can learn their way first and everyone does it differently. And I, and I've noticed that like I've been in the sound image shops, both of them and I've been in rat and, and Claire in a ton of local shops, no matter where I lived, a one audio, uh, logic Systems. shout out to chip and those guys down there, Bob at iron man, St. Louis, like a, a ton of local shops and everybody has their own, um, I guess you would call them SOP, standard operating procedures on 
uh, level that you come in at, where you start, or where they think you should start. And going to the Chris Leonard School of Thought, uh, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So leave what you think you know behind until you learn the way, whatever the way would be. Right. And I mean, I would say it's okay to, I just would say ask questions. And I, I ask, that's kind of my thing. I just ask a million questions all the time. Um, my favorite phrase when working for production houses is, how is this done here? Or what is your, what is your operating procedure? Or, well, how do you guys do this? Because yeah, I've, I've patched racks before I've, I've built them. It's nothing new. Like going through shop rotations is not anything crazy. I mean, I went from a whirlwind shop to a very specific proprietary shop. So yeah, I wasn't really messing with W1. It was NC14, NC40, not W4. But you know, the same principles apply. And so I think if you remember that, that's really helpful. Um, And just going in, I would just say, don't bullshit your way in the door in terms of your skill set. Right. Because if, if you don't know something, that's so much better than trying to, trying to say you do and trying to fake your way through it. Now I will often say, if it's something that I've done before and someone has told me their protocol um, or even if it's something that like I haven't even seen before, but I've been told like the clear way or the sound image way to do it, I will try it first and see how far I can get with it. And then typically if you've done it before, you can look at that and be like, that's clearly not right. I should go ask somebody who's the tech in this department. Right. And so don't, don't cry wolf and don't, you know, don't be afraid to give it a shot every two seconds because you do need to be independent. For sure. And and you're not trying to reinvent the wheel at that, at that level either. And, and, and that's what I've been approaching a lot of my jobs like at this point is I want to learn your way first and then we'll come back and, and see if there's anything that can be improved on or make more efficient the thing I was, I, I struggle with was inventory and um, putting things away and operating procedures for pulling and putting away. Um, some of these shops, like Solotech, Claire, Ever, Sound Image, that it's it's a machine, and you're only part of that cog. So learn what you can as fast as you can, so you can be another part of that cog. So you can move through it. Um, software has came a long way when it comes to inventory and being able to get things in and out of the door efficiently. But another thing is is don't look at yourself like you're going to be pushed out the door to go do a gig as soon as possible. Like They're going to see how you take the ethic and the operating procedures in your house before they push you out to be client-facing or or being on a show for sure. I mean, you've, you've got to accept that you got to pay your dues. Right. And the thing about switching shops is when you switch, you do start over. Correct. So that I at least was really glad that I expected that going in and every shop is different. Like every shop I feel like has a different feel, has a different culture. There's, you know, they're in different places. Um, Strong, strong management too. 
whoever is in the ability position to make sure that their people do or help develop the standard operating procedures is imperative. Be, um, be friends with your ops coordinators. It doesn't matter who you are. Just, just make a friend in ops. Directors, ops, engineers, floor staff, like make sure if you don't have the training, you ask for it. Uh, if, if you don't have the knowledge, ask for it, ask lots of questions and, and explain yourself. Um, I don't know how many times I stopped at gateway and said, you know, I've, n- I've never done this before. You know, I, I need help with it, you know, and even apologizing for mistakes or, or seeing how you could do it better next time. So you don't make that mistake. Um, really lays, really, really, really lays on the person above for you to give the right directive. And if, if you don't have the directive, then, um, they're kind of setting you up to fail. Uh, so moving shops, you will see these people in the director position and, and, and their personality and their approach is going to weigh heavy on everybody beneath them. And, uh, there, there's certain people that can, you just want to work for. Yeah. You're like, wow, I, I really want to work for this person. I really want to make them happy. And I really want to move up the ladder because the enthusiasm from this person and the encouragement and the training that I get from this person is going to make me succeed as well. So. Uh, I've worked under like, I worked in a shop, right? That wasn't all audio. So like our head of audio was awesome. Um, I also think like recognizing how big you want to go is something I hadn't considered before. Like I hadn't considered how different a large shop is to a small shop. Cause I was like, Oh, it's all audio. Like it, it is, but things change when you have. And so if you, if you want to know about every single department, you're not going to do it working for a massive shop because you have techs that do nothing but build racks and they are phenomenal at it. And racks are, they are the people that will make your drive rack look like art. It'll be wonderful, but they will not be able to tell you how to run smart. Exactly. So it is, there is an inherent level of specialization when you increase your scale. For sure. Which is not uh, something I had personally considered. No. And I, I think I did the, the AES student summit at Webster this a couple weekends ago, and I was really mesmerized by the panel and how things were handled because it was really, once again, focused on recording arts. And there is so much more to audio as well as shops and broadcast and live and uh, AVIT and all these weird audio related things. And I think there's, there's specific things that people need to go into this. And and that's another thing that the position of, of account rep, account executive director, ops manager needs to recognize, you know, Hey, what are the abilities of my people that I'm bringing in and where do they want to go? You know, does this person like tinkering? Do I need them in the wood shop or helping with case manufacturing or 
uh, is this person really good at organization? Do I need them uh, working on inventory and making sure things are getting scanned in and out correctly? Um, you know, hey, is this person ready to fly this PA? Do I need to put people through training so they understand our product line? Um, a lot of help can come there. And uh, one of the things that I thought I was going to get kicked out of AES that I said was, um, you know, why spend all this money going to college if you really think you're going to get out and be mixing in a recording studio or mixing shows? Uh, if you're not doing anything besides school at the point. And that's the one weird facet about our focus is if you're not working outside of the actual education domain in the field somehow, whether it's at a, a shitty club or with a production company or your friend's band or you're buying studio gear for your house, uh, you're going to, you're going to kind of miss out on a huge facet of what your skill set needs to be by just taking away, um, this student education facet of it. And, uh, I, I hope that that changes. Like we talk about change in the industry and I think that's another one that needs to, uh, like when you're a doctor, when you're going to school to be a doctor, you don't go to your friend's house and just perform minor surgeries, uh, just to practice up, you know? If you're a lawyer, you don't like show up at court and be like, I'll represent them. You know, I just want to try this out. <laughs> uh, so even in an auto shop, and, and I don't want to put us at the same level. I mean, uh, I think those are very highly talented people that work on cars and woodworking. and But as a trade – there needs to be more hands-on experience for our education at that level to subsidize those the students that can't go out and get a job at the club because they they have a family or they need to commute or you know well and i'm a big i'm really big on mentorship and internships for that like that's how i've figured out every little what little i know uh it's come through those two things um and I will say this, like I started working at a production house cause I was doing an internship and I, that's, that's what I did. And I was going to stay for the summer and then I just, you know, didn't, didn't leave. Uh, but you know, <laughs> there was that, but it was really great to see it by being in it. And I think shops are wonderful places for education for that sure. are not often considered to be a classroom, but in a lot of ways it is. I mean, the best way to learn what goes into a tour is to go prep it. <laughs> yeah. And then when you get out there, you realize, Oh, I didn't bring whatever it was I did. Maybe this needs to be in that tour package. Um, and obviously working with people that are not going to let you send things out incomplete and having people that understand the inventory systems, whether it's finesse or flex or whatever you're using, those are wonderful things. And I think you're right. And being in an environment where you're with people who will recognize your strengths is huge. Yeah. That's like having Mark Rubel on the show every day is like, I want that guy to do, do like a two minute message to me every day, just to pump me up for life. Because um, there are some specific people in education facilities out there that are giving students really, really helpful info that isn't in a syllabus. 
And, you know, that has to deal with uh, perpetuating freelance life, what to do after school, placement, who to check with, how to network, how to do your taxes, how to save money, um, how to LLC yourself, like how to protect yourself when it comes to um, problems that you may may arise, you know, and uh, I mean, that's mentorship. Yeah. So maybe maybe these i'll reach out to these educators that listen to our shows maybe you need to hire some of us to to do some some uh on-site things maybe a zoom class with you guys to kind of discuss uh where we see the industry going you know because it's almost time for me to pass the torch i'd love to be able to do that but i think there's at least an outline that a person like myself or chris leonard or yourself or michael could give to education that would provide a syllabus that is real to the aspects of what we're going through. Absolutely. And I think, and I think a part of that is really just underlying figuring out if you can figure out the people in your life or that you've heard of, or even seen present something, right? Like I just, I just called Michael because I'm, you know, there's that. Uh, if you you can just call people, and I wish that's something that someone had told me sooner, is just do it. Like, what's the worst they're going to say? No, because I can call somebody else. So, so the Sam Bood question: What would you do now that you didn't do back then? You'd call a ton of people. I got lucky, and I've I have called a lot of people actually. Very very strangely, um, I I really I really was half expecting Chris to ask me that question. Um, I was half expecting Chris to ask me his question too. And I'm kind of glad he didn't, but (laughs) um, that feels a little soon. But that being said, what do you want on your tombstone? (laughs) On my tombstone? Uh, (laughs) Probably my Instagram bio. (laughs) But, um, no, like that's, that's the thing though, is realizing that there are, if you can figure out how you learn, and understand how you think, then you can figure anything out, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. If you can somehow start to half sort of figure out how your brain works in a, in a weird way, however that is for you and everybody's different, you can just get really good at learning things and then it doesn't matter what you want to do. You know what? A good educator, a good employer, a good friend all can do those same things, you know, and it, it, it might take those friends to make you recognize uh, where you need to head next. And uh, community is everything. Um, the gate, the gatekeeping's over, and uh, secrets are best told now because we can we can look back and laugh that we didn't talk about it before. Um, this that's it though, like. That that's what I have learned this year is community. Like I don't think I had felt community like this until I had like really got like immersed um like in this with you and Michael and Chris and I don't think that I had I I joke and say I never really had audio friends until this year uh, cuz I had friends and they're they're great and I love them dearly and we all have people in our lives. But Chris says it well when he says, you know, your family or your parents or your, you know, your best friend, your, your partner, 
they're not going to get what we do unless you do it. Like people outside of this industry don't understand it. And that's not always a bad thing. Uh, but we, we get, we get really used to, uh, the pleasing other people. I think this is a very people pleasing thing. It's definitely a service industry for the pleasure that we get from other people succeeding and having a good time. Um, and that that's a special quality about a person anyways. So I think that's why a lot of people can't understand what we do. What we do is because themselves might not look at pleasing people like we look at pleasing people. You know, it might just be a difference of thought. It, little psychiatry 101. I think uh, they have meds for it, but uh, we, we live to make our client happy. And, and I think we probably do that with our family and our friends as well. We, we felt we feel best suited when those endorphins come back to us from someone else's. <laughs> right. And uh, I mean, we could all stop and be massage therapists probably, or uh, work at a hotel. I don't know. Uh, there, there's a ton of things in the service industry, but uh, the reward with the technical ability, I think is very, uh, very enlightening to say the least, because grasping audio or lighting or video or anything that goes down with production is, is a talent. Uh, you know, we're part artists and part nerds and uh, it, it's a special human, man. So that's why I think when, when friendships and community are formed in this industry unlike others um it perpetuates itself and that's why it's so endearing to know that in 10 years i can go back to a company that i i used to help out and immediately be put in a position where i can learn a new trade for them and uh you can't burn the bridges along the way uh, hopefully anything you did or had done is water under the bridge and we can walk across that again and get where we need to go. I think Chad Olick said it. Um, he, he used to say that he was like super angry sound guy and, and he was, um, and, and, and there's, he's changed a lot. Uh, I've seen him excel at his career and move forward and, he, he even apologized to a ton of people that he made mad in his younger days. I even said it on the podcast, like uh, I was angry and um, a position of power. Like we're in mixing a show, controlling a show, controlling loudness, controlling endorphins, controlling ourselves to the point where we're looking to please others um, puts us in a weird position. So it could go one of two ways. We could be uh, stupid big dick energy, BDE, and not know how to control it, or we can control that energy and put it to good use. And that's how we perpetuate this. Well, right. And that's, that's really interesting for me to hear because for me, it's always about, right. Like being a part of something that's a million times the size of you, right. If you're, if you're standing in the middle of a festival, that's it's a couple hundred thousand people. It doesn't matter if you're the patch tech or you flew PA or you coordinated RF or if you 
or the SE or the front house mixer, it, it does not matter. The show doesn't really happen without you. Like your, your presence is felt and your team knows it and the people that are there know it. And so, yeah, it's, and it's kind of deceptive because it is an industry where if people know you exist, like if, if someone's on the radio for me, it's probably because something's broken and not because everything went off flawlessly, right? So it is a little bit of a double-edged sword. But if you're not someone that needs external validation from other people, like no one's no one's going to tell you like, oh man, that, that PA went up exactly the same time it was as it did yesterday. Like that is perfect because that's the goal, right? Is to get yeah. it down to that level of, you know, your, your plus or minus can we do this within five minutes a hundred times in a row? Um, and that's, that's something that's just crazy, right? If you can get to that level of consistency, that is amazing because it means you're really great at what you do and you're really great at what you do almost every day. Or even your bad days aren't that far behind your good ones. But nobody's going to tell you, like nobody's going to give you a pat on the back for that. Uh, I will. And, and I've had, I've had crew chiefs and tour managers and production managers that make it a thing that they come out after every show and thank everyone from the local crew to the staff on site. And I tell you what, that's, that, that's volume. And it does. And those people are awesome. I think what I'm really referring to is that you're not going to get a standing ovation from the audience. You're not going to get a hundred thousand people telling you did a good job. Yeah. You're yeah. You're good crew chiefs. That, yeah. That does feel really good when you got a good crew chief who walks up behind you and was like, Hey, like and talks to your PA text and you're like, good job guys. Like that is a great feeling. And even having a great in or a great out, like that is, that is a high, that is an endorphin rush. That is awesome. And so is every downbeat. Yeah. And, and I think the, the good people that do it, I, I call it like the Mark Twain or the Tom Sawyer approach where if I can make everybody paint the fence and enjoy it for the day, you know, that's that's a skill as well. You know, if I can have a good day with a local crew where it's hot and sweaty and you're parked on a hill and you're having to hold stuff in the truck and loadout didn't go as planned and um, lighting's in your way and video just pushed their carts in front of your PA and I think those that can paint the fence and go, hey, guys, check out me painting this fence. It's fun. Come on. And then at the end of the day, shake everybody's hand and say thank you. Like that person goes miles. And uh, I loved people like that. And I'll remember those folks for as long as I live. And I think going into venues, like it's imperative to be the nicest person on the staff. As, as well as the hardest working, obviously, but um, like the the episodes that we had with Michael and the crew from Ghost and, and Volbeat from Solotech, like uh, know how much you can perform and don't try to outperform your job and stay in your lane. I think staying in your lane is important as well and catch yourself when you're not. Like I started doing that too is like with the church um, – I was working at, still am working at in St. Louis. Like started 
working on going back into the main sanctuary. And uh, I noticed my ideas and my vision for the thing was well outside of the audio realm. It had to deal with, you know, what the MD was supposed to be doing and what we needed to do from the MD. And then I was like, nope, not my job. Stay in my lane. I'll stick to the audio stuff and I'll perform as well as I can. Um, I I think that's huge too. Uh, Some people take it a little bit overboard and staying in your lane is probably one of the coolest things that I learned from the Solotech interviews that, that Michael did with all the, all the folks there is like something that needed to be said that we hadn't said before is like, know what your job is, your requirements, do what you can to help out other departments as well. But when it comes to talking and doing the thing, stay in your lane. Um, if you need to back off, back off. If your body can't handle it, like if you're doing six in a row and you're flying PA and pinning the stage and making sure that the truck opens and get closes every night, like some cards are heavy. Yeah, drink some water. Fucking walk away when you have a second. And you got told to do that too. You got told to put down the book, play some video games, watch some TV. You know what I mean? Because you do need that. And I don't think people realize what that does to wear on them, whether they're working at a production shop or on a tour or even in a church or a facility. Don't wait till it's too long when you overwork yourself or overextend yourself. Um, it's important to take care of and stay in your lane with your with your emotions and your mouth and uh, say thank you and ask a lot of questions. Right. And I mean, even when you're learning something new or transitioning into a new role, like I'm, I'm learning all of, all of the SE world that I've kind of seen and not, not delved heavily into. Um, There's, it is very easy to, I hyper-focus, like for me, it's very easy to just live and breathe and obsess over something until I am done with it or I have accomplished what I want to accomplish or whatever that looks like. Um, And for me, it does not matter if it's running or if it's baking or if it's learning how to be an SE. There's a line that's not, I don't want to say it's burnout because it's sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it is just, you can be so immersed in something that you begin to lose perspective And like having people that pull you out or that remind you to like, Hey, you should eat or you should think about literally anything else. Um, Those are good people. And so maintaining relationships in this industry is something that like I am actively working on. Uh, And I went back to that kind of, Ghost Volbeat crew interview. Taylor talked about it and uh, getting to talk with her. She's a friend of mine. She's fabulous. And just really getting to that to the forefront of my mind, which is not something that I had thought about because, right, like I was 18 when I started fly teching. Like I, everyone I know is so used to me being gone all the time that it's very hard for me to be home. And so, like, I'm slowly learning, like, how to be in more than one place and still have people in your life that are active participants. 
Hey, you got three homes now, basically. Yeah, pretty much. It's kind of fun. You've done it. Um, I, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, we, we have a couple episodes coming up. Uh, one, I want to ask you a question. When This is another Psychology 101, expectations. When do you feel like you need to draw the line for where you set your expectations or whether it's high or low, where do you, where do you stay in your own lane? Where do you either push back from or where do you gravitate towards? For myself or other people, because those are two very different things. Uh, let's just talk about yourself and your, your career goals. Cause like you said, uh, Chris didn't ask you the question probably, probably, you know, because there's the future is bright and the demands in the community that you put yourself in is, is kind of setting expectations for you already without you knowing, right? I'm going and, to assume so. I like to remain willfully ignorant. <laughs> so, but does that become harsh to you? And do you, do you feel yourself gravitating, gravitating towards higher expectations or do you do the psychology 101 where if I put expectations on something that I don't succeed at, then it's more of a feel of failure than it is uh, hitting your expectations. So I, I don't believe in a plan B for myself. Like when I, when I was studying songwriting, I got really lucky and got to sit down with a dude named Colin Bryce, who was the VP of Sun Records for a long time. And one of the first, he gave me some great advice and I like live and die by this. Uh, and his advice was don't have a backup plan. So you have a backup plan. You're going to go use it. <laughs> Seriously. If you give yourself a cop out, if you have a safety net and I don't mean don't have an emergency fund, I don't mean go do stupid things, but I do mean to say that, like I don't consider the possibility of failure to myself. Like it's just, it's my life may change apart from what I think it's going to look like in that moment. And I know where I want to end up, but I'm, I'm never particularly attached to a specific path to get there. And I don't want to be. So if it means working for a company, great. If it means freelancing, great. If it means working for a band, great. Um, for me, it's more about the technical knowledge and just getting to do what I love and building the life that I want. I, I don't care how I get there as long as I am okay with who I am as a person in the process. And so I guess I'm going to always aim higher because I failure is not an option because it doesn't exist. It, it doesn't mean I get there. I don't, it just means what I want changes. And I, so I don't have a backup plan. And the second piece of advice Colin gave me who that is probably my favorite advice I've ever been given is to build your support system before you need it. Yeah. So have your people that you're going to call when it's two o'clock in the morning and you say, Hey, I, this sucks. I'm done. I want to go home. Like have and and tell them in advance yeah, who yeah, they yeah. are. You have the person that says no, don't do it, and then you have the person that says, "Oh yeah, get the fuck out." Right? Because <laughs> that's the thing. Because in that moment, if somebody tells you come home, you're gonna go get on that plane and not do what you want to do. 
because you're tired or had a bad day or you just hit your breaking point, right? Like, so tell those people in advance and they're going to know when that phone call comes. Like they're, they're going to know. And I've only had to make it once and and I'm, I'm really glad I did. I'm really glad I prepped for it. Um, But that is probably my favorite piece of advice I've ever been given because it's so, it's a combination of like actionable and wisdom that's I think is really great, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I've got some lofty goals and I, I know that going in. And I think for me, as long as I like, I never think it's going to be easy. And so I think if you just sit down, shut up and do the work, you're going to be fine. I mean, Michael's right in that, you know, there really is a place for everybody in the industry. And so I think it's really more about finding where you want your place to be and then doing and then choosing your level of involvement to get there. That's a good idea. I think that's where I'm at. I, uh, I definitely react a lot worse from people's expectations of me when I let them down, uh, more than I let myself down. And I think when you said have the support system before you need it, when I let myself down, I need that support system. Um, when I let someone else down, it just makes me try harder. And uh, everyone has a breaking point. I mean, in expectations are are better left for not applying them to someone else. In my opinion, I don't like applying I don't expect anybody to do anything for me but I know they have expectations of me and I want to be able to meet them maybe it's not fair but um no I mean I think that's reasonable I think my expectations of someone else extend solely to their job description like if you say you're a fly tech and you're gonna fly PA I expect you to fly PA and like that's 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 as far as I go for sure. It's not ever personal. It's not ever anything else, but I trust that. And I don't think expectation is the right word for it. I think I mean to say that I trust that you're going to be able to do the job that you've been hired to do. True. Very much. So. That's where I'm at for that level. Um, my, my, my favorite quote as of late is it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in the war. And, uh, it keeps coming back and, uh, there's so many applications for that. It's, it's like you say, when you prepare yourself for the worst ahead of time, um, you'll be better off in the future. And that goes without saying with the path in audio or production or video or lighting or tour management or production management or broadcast, like the whole gamut is like, prepare yourself for what you do moving forward back to the roadmap of where you want to go. And, um, I think there's a lot of help and in, in gratitude and in being grateful for what you do have, not what you can't succeed, you know, and that's where the expectations on yourself are a little bit more disappointing sometimes. And you just have to move past that. Like, um, your, your coping mechanisms, like software is hard to learn. Uh, sometimes, uh, repair work is hard to learn and it's something that you have to do in a pinch it's not something that you get a lot of time perfecting is troubleshooting because 
it's in it's in the fucking word. You're in trouble now. You got to go shoot something to get it back to normal. Um, so be a warrior in the garden, not a gardener in the war, because you're gonna get caught off guard, and uh, you need to prepare for the future that way. Man, see, we don't need Chris or Michael for this fucking thing. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? I think for me, I made a lot of personal, <laughs> like mental headway, um, whatever you want to call it. I came, I think I started coming to peace with myself and the fact that I am a very ambitious person about the same time I realized that you can't be everything and do everything you want to do. You can't just skip to the end. You have to accept that it's a process. And as soon as you accept that it's a process, you have to give yourself permission to not know the answer and to not know where you're going and to not know how it plays out and to not know the skills that you're trying to acquire. And so I think that was my big thing. Parenting. This is parenting to me. You're just talking parenting number one. Oh, <laughs> The only thing I parent are plants and dogs. <laughs> there, there's no manual for this, and there's no correct path to choose to do it. And uh, you need to lean on people for it. I mean, the the the, sex, the success is yours to take. And um, I see a lot of people talking on the Discord and stuff about upcoming jobs and gigs and stuff. And and I want to see more of that. You know, more people putting input into it and. Uh, lending a helping hand and those who lend a helping hand are like our friends over at audix who provided us with great headphones they're amazingly soft and they're comforting on my ears and they allowed me to mix for a very long time with uh these headphones on and the fine people over at allen and heath you know they they've even hired a bunch of people that i just call my friends now like they're just my friends like jeff holly sent me a picture of his truck the other day that's awesome so, and um, I, I got to sit with uh, another Sam, Samantha Potter at AES the other day. Thank you, Alan and Heath. Thank you, Audix. And I got to talk to my friend, Paul Clemson, uh, and the fine people over at the Roadie Clinic. Uh, they're amping up and giving away some gift boxes and things that they've been putting together up there. Big things are happening. They're moving forward faster than they ever thought they would. Um, I will mention this. We're going to have a few guests coming on. Um, an actual audiologist is coming on to speak about hearing. And um, she is going to be amazing. Like I was, when Michael told us that we had a real audiologist coming on and he is an advocate for hearing safety and, and protecting ourselves and, the things that do, this is going to be an awesome conversation. So I know that one's coming and I just put Mr. Paul Clemson from the clinic on so I can call him out so we can have signal to noise slash X signal to noise podcast t-shirts and get those out to our folks that are on the road because I want one. That's, that's what yeah. I decided. I want one. I yeah. love, love roadie clinic, love Paul, love them. They're super awesome. I finally got to meet him. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Great dude. Uh, I'm looking forward. I'm really excited for that one. Yeah. And, and we've already talked and we're going to talk a little bit about his broadcast stuff that he did for Fallon and working for the roots. And uh, if Courtney comes on, we'll talk about mask and the theater stuff that she did for Broadway and, um, all the shows that went out of her shop there. 
because uh, we never really got into that. We went right into the clinic and what they were going to start to do. But I want to know a little bit of the history. I know Paul's been out doing root shows uh, left and right. Uh, he called me when he was in St. Louis and said, hey, bud, I'm here, but you can't come down. It's COVID. Um, we'll be back. Uh, thanks you, everybody who's listening. I think we're at episode 150. So it's like, what is that? Bicentennial? I don't even know what that's called. I think we're at like 149, 150. It depends on when a ROM comes out. Depends. We have, we have another episode coming out with, um, the guy who does the Marine Corps band and it's going to blow your mind. How cool his job is tax tax dollars at work right there. You paid for it. People of the U S that's your tax dollars of work. It, it is an amazing episode. We had so much fun talking and uh, thanks for joining us. Sam Boone, we could do this by ourselves. See, just kidding. I need my best friends back. I love you guys. Um, thanks for hanging out.